Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. you spectacular people welcome to the 442nd episode of the history ghost bump podcast ghost tours for the theater of the mind i am your host diane and this is kelly kelly on this episode we are doing a location suggested by our listener kara danielle and that's wielden manor we thought we'd interview someone who's actually been to the location and investigated it many times and that's melanie ramsey of military veterans paranormal so she'll be joining us shortly in case you guys missed it, she joined us for the last Paranormal Conversations number nine as well. Cool. Before we get into that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Alex, Kim, Grace, Todd, and Jim. Thank you for joining us in our Facebook group. And now, this moment, Noddity. The moment in Oddity was suggested by Paulo J. Tamer, or Timur, was a Turco-Mongol conqueror who brought most of the Muslim-ruled parts of Central Asia and India under his control in the 14th century. When he died, his body was embalmed and ceremonially buried in his capital, Samarkand. In 1941, Joseph Stalin sent a Russian anthropologist, Mikhail Gerasimov, to exhume Timur's body to study it. Stalin wanted to use the body to make a replica of what Timur looked like. When word spread of the Russian plan... Local Samarkans warned the anthropologist of a terrible curse attached to Tamer's grave. Of course, Gerasimov labeled the curse mumbo-jumbo. 
Once the grave was located, the anthropologist exhumed the body and found a curse inscribed inside the tomb that read, Whomsoever opens my tomb shall unleash an invader even more terrible than myself. The curse was dismissed and Tamer's body was taken to Moscow. Within three days, Hitler launched his surprise attack on Russia, which took approximately 30 million Russian lives. As the Germans continued advancing, the anthropologist began to worry about the curse and shared his thoughts with Stalin. Being a deeply superstitious man, the dictator arranged a special aircraft to fly Timur's body back to Samarkand, where they gave it a reverential reburial. A few weeks later, the tide of German invasion suddenly turned, and the Russians were victorious at the Battle of Stalingrad. Today, Tamer's tomb in Samarkand is an important tourist attraction. So what about this curse? Is it real or is it just a legend, followed up by some strange coincidences? Whatever the truth, the story of this curse certainly is odd. This history podcast is haunted. And now, this month in history. In the month of July, on the 13th in 1977, New York City dealt with a power outage that lasted over 24 hours. At 8.37 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, a lightning strike hit the Buchanan South substation on the Hudson River. This in turn tripped two circuit breakers. The location was currently used to convert 345,000 volts from a nuclear generating station to a lower voltage for commercial use. Shortly after, there was a second lightning strike which caused the loss of two 345 kV transmission lines as well. Then at 8.55 p.m. there was a third strike. This one occurred at the Sprainbrook substation in Yonkers that took out another two critical lines. During all of this, Con Edison had to manually reduce the load on another local generator at their East River facility due to problems at the plant. This made an already dire situation even worse. Throughout the evening, Con Edison continued to be asked to reduce loads from working stations due to thermal overloads and continued trips and drops in service. Con Ed could not generate enough power within the city, and the three power lines that supplemented the city's power were overtaxed. Just after 9.27 p.m., the biggest generator, Ravenswood Generating Unit No. 3, also known as Big Alice, shut down, and with it went all of New York City. The blackout occurred at a time of severe financial crisis, as well as fear of the son of Sam in the city. The 1977 blackout resulted in citywide looting and other acts of criminal activity, including arson. They say that lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place, but New York City had the bad fortune of being struck three times that evening, resulting in a darkened city that is known for its nightlife. Wealden Manor in Kentucky has stood for over 100 years and has played a variety of roles, some of them as mundane as a post office, and others along criminal lines featuring gang activity and a brothel. Its final function has been as a paranormal hotspot. 
Military Veterans Paranormal has investigated the location many times, and founder Melanie joins us to share what she's found out about the history and the unexplained experiences that they've had there. Join us for the history and hauntings of the Wielden Manor. Kelly, this is located in a city called Central City, which makes me think of Central City in Colorado. Ah. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, are we going gambling in the mountains? <laughs> Central City is located on the Green River in Muhlenberg County, Kentucky. The town was first known as Moorhead's Horse Mill, named after an early settler to the area, Charles S. Moorhead. He had built a steam-powered gristmill here. That sounds a little bit ahead of its time, steam-powered. The name changed to Stroud City in 1873 when it was officially incorporated. This was in honor of John Stroud, a local landowner. A large mining business in the area was Central Coal and Iron Company, and the city was eventually named Central City for that in 1882, and that one stuck. The town became an important regional hub for the railroad, which continues today. One of the rail lines actually passes by Wealdon Manor. Kelly, I want to go down a quick rabbit hole here. Can I get you to join me? Will do. Hello? Hello? Yes, I'm down here in the rabbit hole and I've brought you with me. In the interview with Melanie that we're going to share in a moment, we discuss this idea that rail lines seem to have a connection to the paranormal. This theory first caught our attention on an episode of Kindred Spirits. You remember that when Amy and Adam were at this place that was close to a railroad and wasn't the woman killed on the railroad or there was a train accident or something i believe so and every time the train was it when the horn would sound something like that they would it would seem like the paranormal activity in the house would increase and so they did a little experiment with it and amy went out to the railroad crossing while adam stayed at the house and they had like radios going between both of them and all of a sudden the railroad crossing went off and there was no train coming so it was like why are the lights blinking and right. it's going like a train's coming So it was really, really cool if it wasn't something that they, you know, staged or whatever. (laughs) So we thought that was a pretty amazing interaction. Then remember when we investigated the Velisca Axe murder house in the wee hours of the morning, just as dawn was breaking, we could hear the sound of the train that was passing nearby because it's pretty close to the house there in Velisca. Right. At the same time, you and I are laying on the bed there and looking up at the ceiling And we both saw those white streaks near the ceiling. Yes, we did. And that was after I had seen something that looked kind of like a a weird purple swirly thing up there. And I I thought maybe my eyes were being weird because it was dawn. Right. And we were very tired. Yeah, we were very tired. Had not slept much. I had wondered if the train going by had some kind of connection to that. You know, I even checked to see is there some way that like if you hear something audibly that your eyes would cause you to see something weird. Right, if it was some sort of trigger. Yeah. But maybe if there's some kind of paranormal energy or electrical energy or something that gets stirred up by the train, maybe it does something to the atmosphere, especially if a place has already got paranormal activity. In 2011, ghost hunters Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson were interviewed by the Huffington Post. And they said on that interview, one thing we found is that you find more paranormal activity around flowing streams of water railroad tracks, and places with high limestone deposits. So they even pointed out, we've heard about water, 
We know about limestone because it's got so much quartz and everything in it. Here we have them also referencing railroad tracks. And there are, of course, numerous tales of ghost trains that, you know, we've heard and covered in this different episodes and stuff. So is there anything to this? I definitely think that there is. I think there is. I mean, we'll obviously never know because we'll never be able to prove it scientifically, but it sure is interesting. All right. Are we getting ready to climb out? We, we are. Good? How are we going to get out of this one? Oh, I brought a step stool this time. <gasps> you did? You could boost yourself up because last time you stepped on my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about that. So after you, darling. Okay. The name Wealdon Manor sounds quaint, like a fancy apartment building or old Victorian home. This location is a 23,000 square foot rectangular multi-level brick building that basically covers the block. This was the perfect spot for a variety of businesses, from a dealership to boarding house to apartments. Melanie joins us to share more. You guys have investigated a lot of places. Is there a place that is your favorite to investigate? For a very long time, it was Wealdon Manor in Central City, Kentucky. And we were very fortunate. We got there and started investigating before any other teams really had, with the exception of one. In which, but they were like a, a very new at investigating, and they were actually friends with the owner. So we went in there to try and teach them some things, and it was like, right off the bat, we were experiencing things and hearing things that we had no explanation for. And I cannot stand to be baffled to where it's like, I would think about this over and over and over and try and come up with ways to debunk. Um, So we would go back and we would train and it would be something different. We would take skeptics with us. And we had one group, pair of skeptics who their minds were blown. We took a radio host and his producer and, you know, we served with a radio host. He was, he was a soldier with Fort Campbell for a while too. And he was blown away walking and he never believes in anything like that, you know, where we walked away each time going, well, damn, well, damn. Now there were other times that we would have experiences there that we were able to debunk and find explanations for, which was also great because, you know, that took a lot of work and a lot of research and, and, and stuff. So all around, it was very beneficial. They turned it into, uh, for Halloween, a haunted house. So now there's a lot of pyrotechnics in there. There's a lot of sound machines. So it's, it's no longer what it once was, but we got there before it was anything. So it was, it was very raw. And so that was our favorite place. We must have over 20 times we've been in there. It's just sad sometimes when you have a a great location that that's historic for various different reasons. And then you have a successful haunt season, quote unquote, and then it just grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you see, uh, okay, it doesn't even look like the same place. So, so much has changed and we go back in there and nothing, just dead, you know? So it's, yeah, sad. What's interesting about Wealdon Manor is we had one of our listeners suggest it for us to do it. And then she said, oh, you should talk to Melanie Ramsey about it. I'm like, I know, Melanie, yeah, perfect. (laughs) 
when you hear the name Wealdon Manor, because I had no idea about it, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be one of these fancy Victorian houses or something. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be at all. No, it was a joke. So Wealdon Manor, in fact, in the around the corner from Wealdon Manor, it's actually a block. Okay. And it's it's a huge structure that once was the last thing it was was an apartment building. But up the street from there is the Central City Library, Historian and Genealogical Society. And that archivist at their library absolutely hates me with the fire of a thousand suns. She's my arch nemesis. I would even pick days to go in to dig through files and pull up plats and things like that when I thought she wouldn't be there. But someone would alert her and there I would find her lurking behind you know, one of those stacks and it was just like, oh, but it has been around that structure itself has been around since the early 1900s. Like I think I was able to date it back to 1910. She disagreed with me and said it wasn't until 1940 until I found a map, a plotting that had it on there. And it was her map. <laughs> God, it was her map. But anyway, Hello. we're not going to get into this lady, but yes, arch rival. The first post office was in there. It was uh, used for as the first apartment store. The first newspaper was in there. But people who were building that railroad would camp in the building. And it used to be a building with a bunch of different stores, the newspaper, the post office, and then above that apartments. There was a time when it was the upstairs was a, a brothel and the mob would go around there. Um, because, you know, there were bars and stuff like that. So it was so many different things. And then the last thing it was, was an apartment complex. Apartments were built into the upstairs and the downstairs were stores. But the residents would complain about quote unquote ghosts and spirits all the time. And then uh, the owner at the time, Jason Dillahay, he said, I think this is nonsense. He moved into the building. He had an experience and it was that one experience that terrified him that he not only left, but he gave notice. He was, he didn't feel it would be safe for anybody to live there. And he shut down the apartment. There was one Vietnam vet who had lived there for over 20 years and he was a drunk and he was so attached to it that he never wanted to leave. So once they shut down the apartments, he decided to camp out back and lived out his last days in the underpass of the railroad right behind the building because he oh, would wow. not leave it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a very nice looking fancy manner. It's a crap hole. Yeah. <laughs> smells like pee. That's kind of what I was thinking when I looked at it. I'm like, well, first of all, it just looks like a, I mean, it does look like an old apartment building because it's just a block kind of mm -hmm. building, like a big rectangle. Yeah. It smells exactly like it looks. Yeah. <laughs> Great. You're like, that is a nose picture you don't need. No, it's it's not. And And what's so funny is at one point he had some sort of psychic go through there. And she had some sort of compass. And so she's walking in through these rooms and she's like, oh my gosh, this is a portal. It's a portal to hell here. Of and course. So, so of course, you know, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> hello. Anyway, uh, he calls me 
it's and he sends me messages at like two o'clock in the morning and he is just like deathly terrified and calls me the next day and he's like mel she says there's a portal to hell in here um, because the compass was going all crazy and he is just beside himself and this was years ago where he was so afraid he didn't want to let anybody near there he was afraid his girlfriend would go by there and she was pregnant and i'm like bro okay we're going so we go out there it took me three hours we turned all the power off and in central city kentucky in a musty old building that smells like pee in the middle of summer mind you i'm climbing through floors because and i was able we were able to triangulate it into one spot we spent three hours going through floorboards where it's even hotter and we found this little small itty bitty tiny wood nail we, so we removed the wood nail. Someone went back into the room. Compass is fine. We go outside. They bring that compass around the wood nail. The wood nail had gotten magnetized. Oh, wow. And so there's your portal to hell. That was the portal. And <laughs> I just remember thinking, I am holding the portal to hell in my fingers. <laughs> I felt so powerful. powerful right yes. Just, yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, you're gonna have to bleep me. It's a shithole. <laughs> it is. I've investigated some of those places myself. Yeah. It's like, ugh. like it's like the underwear stain in in, in paranormal country. <laughs> and now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, they had so much different stuff going on there. Do they have any idea of what possibly is haunting it? Like who's been sticking around or? No, there is no clue. So we even had this audio clip of one of the first times that we were in there. We were all sitting around and our team, we don't investigate in complete darkness because I just think that's dumb. I agree. It can haunt you no matter if it's in daylight, darkness, and then you don't run into stuff. 
Plus, it doesn't solve that never-ending question I have in my head of it's completely dark and you saw a shadow figure, Mm -hmm. a shadow in the dark, because shadows are dark in the dark. Yeah, doesn't work that way. We put up low lights. And that way also, we all have to be able to visually see each other so I can um, make sure that the person on my right and my left and across from me does not move. Feet are on the ground, palms are on your laps. And when we say find some real estate, that means you find wherever you're going to be, you pop a squat and you don't move. That's it. We were all in our real estate facing each other in light. We have one investigator asking questions. And then it was it was freezing cold. It was like in November back when Tennessee was cold or Kentucky and Tennessee areas was cold and it was freezing. And as he's asking this question, what do you do for fun? My thighs get really warm. And so you hear the audio of me saying, bro, I don't know who that is. If that's you in a spirit and, and you're warming me up, thank you because I'm not shivering. And, you know, we're talking about it. And we're joking. And I'm, and I'm telling the guys, you know, no, for real. Like, I just feel like warmth on my thighs. And then it just dissipated. So what, the way we review our audio is everybody, after the investigation, nobody can talk. We review audio and visual uh, data separately to avoid, again, that bias confirmation. I get a call from an investigator and, and he's like, have you finished listening to, we? Uh, it was called Jerry's room. And I said, no, not yet. And he's like, I had to pull off on the side of the road. And I was like, why, what? And he's like, okay, I'm going to, he's like, just go and listen to from this time to this time. And he's like, and I'm not driving until you hear it. And so I'm playing it back. And I said, if that's you, that's sitting on my, on my lap or rubbing my thighs or whatever it is that you're doing, thank you for helping me keep warm. Again, the question was, what do you do for fun? I heard rape and I kind of just threw my headphones off and I got back on the phone with uh, the investigator, Chris. And I said, Chris, I just heard it. And he was like, did you hear? He was like, I'm literally shaking. And I said, on a count of three, we're going to say what we think we heard. One, two, three. And in unison, we both said rape. Oh, wow. So then we had all the other investigators listen. We did not say what we heard. Every single person with the exception of one who thought he heard grape, everybody said rape. We come to find out that the room that we were in we were able to get very little information on him, but he was a peeping Tom. He was very disturbing. His name was Jerry and he had allegations against him of uh, sexual assault. Wow. And when you have that many of you hearing that and grape Uh doesn't make any sense. If you're like, what did you do for fun? Grape, what eating grapes, that kind of thing. Hey, don't knock it until you try it. (laughs) I mean, I was sitting here going, wow, that's very interesting that she had that warm feeling. And I was going to stop and ask you about that because, you know, usually ghosts have some kind of a cold feeling to them. People will feel like the one time that I've been touched, it was like static electricity. So I was going to ask you questions about that. But now that takes us to a whole different place. What in the world was about to take place there? I mean, what was going on? I'm And because none of us actually heard this. Yeah. You hear me joking, saying, oh, can you get my back? I mean, hello. And the other thing that we do is before each EVP session, everybody says their own name. So if we send 
audio out to an audio engineer, they have something to compare it to. And they can say, well, it was this person, these things match, or I can sync it up. And it didn't match any of us. It wasn't any of us because we're talking about something totally different. And so none of us heard it. Were you the only woman on the team that evening? I am. I'm always the only woman on the team. <laughs> then that, makes, that makes that interesting too, because you were all there and you were the one that the focus was on. So it's clearly really, that. Yeah, it was creepy. Um, not at that time. Afterwards, of course, I wanted yeah. to just like run into the shower and, and, and cower in a corner like the crying game. But ugh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh my God, I, I haven't seen that movie in so long. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm sure you've got listeners like, what is that? Is that new? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm sure we have some young ones that are like the crying game. What? What? Yeah. What's yeah what? They did that in Ace Ventura though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of along those lines, Kelly, who's working right now. So that's why she's not here with us for the interview. We went into an old jail here in Florida and we had an SLS camera and there was a shower that was in each of the cells. So she got in the shower because earlier somebody had said, oh, we got a stick figure in, in the shower area. And so we thought, well, maybe if she goes in there, maybe she could get whatever this thing was to come back. Well, it came back and it brought a friend. And as you're watching the video that we captured with it, it was kind of that same effect as, you know, we're like, is Kelly getting molested in the shower right now but it was it's just you know it's really interesting to think that you know that is something that is still carrying on into the afterlife or whatever right. they're continuing to do that there's still that kind of whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> nastiness going on there it's just like you know we say not necessarily if you have a negative interaction is that demonic it could just mm-hmm. be you've got a bad guy Right. From life that is now dead and they're still a bad guy in death. Yeah. Nasty McNasties don't suddenly change just because they go to the other side. They're still nasty McNasties. Yeah. You said that uh, there's this train that went through there. Does it still go by that property? Is there still a train that goes by there? Do you know? They very. They say that it does, that it is still active. And that was something that was of a concern because of, you know, frequencies. Before a train arrives, after a train leaves, there's frequencies that can actually cause people to have the the experience of phenomena. But that night, there was nothing. Um, It wasn't running in that winter. So that's why we were just like, okay, did this just happen? Mm -hmm. And not too long after that, it was also the crazy thing was we had paraskeptics there. And we kept hearing things like rocks being thrown or something. I'm like, dude, who is this? You know, what is that? Trying to find is something falling from the ceiling or whatever. So then we line up all of us shoulder to shoulder, all facing this wall. It is just a wall. I said, feet on the ground, lights up and feet to feet. So my, the outside edge of my foot's touching the outside edge of another person's foot and our hands are up in the air, fingers spread. And paraskeptics, the one guy goes, you know, all right, if that's really you, then throw a pebble this way or throw a rock this way. Someone was in the process of saying, asking another question. And then you hear a dink, 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 dink. And we all just freeze. 
And I'm like, tell me that didn't just happen. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm looking. Yeah, everybody's hands are still up. And it's almost like everybody froze even more so like they got that oh crap look deer in headlights sure. like so we look and we turn around and there's a rock behind us it's not too small not big but we could all see it and one of my investigators eric said that bounced off my toe ah i was, I was gonna like, ask and i was like what do you mean bounced off your toe on the top and he was like and he was his voice is kind of shaking is like no no <laughs> he's like it hit the tip of my toe and went behind us, which tells us that there was, it wasn't dropped from up front. It was thrown. It came from in front and there's nothing but a wall in front of us. Wow. And that was another, oh crap moment for not even just us, but paraskeptics, um, where we all just looked at each other and like, well, damn, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Like that just happened. You know, it's few and far between that you actually have moments like this. Melanie, why don't you go ahead and share with the listeners where they can find out more about MVP? Um, We still have our website, uh, militaryveteransparanormal.com, but we're about to revamp it for the first time in like five years. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really on top of things, folks. <laughs> Pick a winner. <laughs> we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and you can check our out our podcast, uh, Military Veterans Paranormal. It's our podcast called All Things Considered Paranormal. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple iTunes, things like just look for us. We're that creepy uncle. We're around. You know, <laughs> you just got to <laughs> <you know? laughs> get rid of them. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, I love your show. I still listen to it. Thank you. You're right. welcome. Kelly, I wanted to touch on a couple of things here because you weren't with us when we were doing the interview. She talked about how the place really stinks and everything. <laughs> right. And it just made me think about, especially since in our little rabbit hole there, we were talking about the Velisca Axe murder house laying on that bed. And Ugh. it just... <laughs> comforter just stuck it just was not good no I had my jacket on I pulled my hood up over my head I didn't even want my ear touched I was like oh this thing stinks so we know all about that yeah then I thought it was interesting since you weren't with us Melanie said you know you have these people who say that they see shadows when they're in a dark room and there's just no way and I didn't say anything because I was just like I'm not gonna because I didn't see it I'm not gonna get into it but I'm like Kelly has definitely seen a shadow. And we were in, you know, when you go to Waverly Hills on the fourth floor, people see shadow figures up there a lot, but there's some ambient light that's at the end of the hallways that can kind of help you to see those shadows. And sometimes I wonder if people's eyes play tricks on them as they're having that person walk away, you Mm -hmm. know, passing through that hallway and passing the open doorways and so forth with that ambient light. But when we were at McPike Mansion and I saw that shadow figure in the cellar, it was completely pitch black. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And yet I could see this figure passing by me and then coming back to get down on my level and look at me closer. Um, It was incredible. And it was most definitely a shadow person. And when they say blacker than black, it really is blacker than black because you could differentiate between the shadow and the space around you. Yeah, I mean, on its face, it sounds ludicrous for people to say, I saw a shadow figure when I was in a black, dark room. But I'm like, I don't 
I don't know, because I was with someone who definitely has seen that. So yeah, I mean, I do. I do realize how it sounds, but I can't explain what the experience was then. And then there was the EVP that they captured. And when she was telling me that story, the hair on the back of my neck just stood up. And she said that's the way they felt when they heard it, too. Because like I said to her, I was initially going to say, oh, how weird that you felt kind of a warm sensation on your legs. Because you would think if a ghost is touching you, that it would be kind of a cold sensation or we felt static electricity, but to feel something warm. And then to know that that EVP, thank goodness they didn't hear it at the time. Because I would have been out of that building if I'd heard an EVP that said that word and was touching me at the same time. Yeah, I most definitely would not have been hanging around. No. So there's definitely something kind of dark in there for sure. She mentioned Jason Dillahay. And I wanted to share some of this other stuff that I'd found. Keith Fournier of Night Stalkers Paranormal Research said of Wielden Manor, this place is a paranormal investigator's dream. In 2014, that haunted house Melanie referred to was started, and it's known as Sinister on Center. But before that, the owner had many of his own experiences, and she kind of mentioned a few of those. In 2013, the Surf Kentucky website ran an article about Wielden Manor. And Jason, who had purchased it in 2003 and had rented apartments out of it, at the time he was a skeptic when he first moved into it, and this is located at 102 Center Street, and he shared an apartment with his wife. Dillahay told the website they experienced many weird things. I had numerous complaints from tenants, but I always brushed them off. I just really didn't believe it until I lived here myself. My wife, Emily, first noticed smells, movements, and other occurrences. And when they're saying smells, and Melanie described the smells, I'm like, ooh, I hope it wasn't those smells. Well, you saw the look on my face as I screwed it up and <laughs> turned my nose up like, ooh. <laughs> of course, it was always when I was not home. She saw her purse straps move one day. Then the curtains, which were closed, opened wide by themselves. She would see shadows and feel someone was standing right behind her. I would come in from work and she would tell me about it, but I was always, well, skeptical. It took a while and it started ramping up. When I started believing was one night while she was doing dishes, I went down to get something out of the car. I came back in and she was calling 911. She said I was doing dishes and I could see someone behind me. Ew. So she must have been like, he definitely is out of the car. He hasn't come back in the house and not mistaken him for being behind her. And she was so scared she was already on the phone with the cops. Yeah, clearly she thought that there was an intruder because I don't think if you were suspect of a spirit that you would necessarily be calling 911. No, no. Probably just be running out of the house. But <laughs> yeah, his wife went on to say that she felt something wrap around her and then something she couldn't see breathed in her ear. Oh, no. Ew. <laughs> that would creep me out. Delahaye says he told his wife, I don't understand why it only messes with you when I'm not here. Now that we know that we have this thing there that had that EVP. Right. And it's only messing with his wife. Yeah. Makes okay. perfect sense. Makes sense to me. I think we know what's going on here. When I said that, it was like a train locked up its brakes on the tracks. There was screeching, grinding metallic sounds. It kept getting louder and louder, circling the whole apartment. Then it was like the sound of someone running as hard as they could into the closed door of our apartment. Oh, my word. When that happened, the sound stopped cold. Nobody else in the apartments heard it, and nothing was there. My wife said, I told you so, and I didn't argue. That's when we moved out. Can't say as I blame them. No, I mean, this is such an amazing thing to hear because they're hearing something that sounds like train, a train locking up. I mean, I think everyone has heard a train coming to a stop. And even if you haven't, 
they have them on movies all the time. Exactly. And it's it's a horrendous sound. So imagine that sounding like it's surrounding the apartment and then it just comes to a crashing halt as something hits your door. Yeah. A little bit unnerving. Yeah. It's almost like the train crashed into your door or something. It was like a ghost train crashing into the door or something. It was just weird. Because at first I would have been like, okay, well, there's train tracks outside. You probably were just hearing that. But all around the apartment and then that noise going away the minute you hear something pound against the door and then nobody else in any other apartment heard it. Dillahay also commented that tenants reported experiencing stuff too. One of the last people to move out said they saw a little girl running down the hall. One family had a little boy and he had toys scattered all over the floor. And when he was not home, they could see and hear a small child sometimes sitting and playing with his toys. Whoa. The spirit of an elderly man was seen in one room and an older female in another. Most definitely have some interesting hauntings going on there. Western Kentucky paranormal investigators did some research at the building in 2013. And the co-founder, Cameron Hessen, said the city told them that 19 people had died in the building. That's crazy. That is such a large number. Hessen told Surf Kentucky, We've captured some pretty good evidence from this building. We're not huge fans of orbs, a.k.a. paranormal balls of lights floating in midair, but we've captured some video evidence here in the back hallway. The camera was facing down the hall. We heard a loud noise and asked, Is anyone down there? About that time, there was another loud knock and a brief flash of light, like someone turning a flashlight on and off quickly. We stopped the video and analyzed it frame by frame. It does have the characteristics of an orb. And what's weird is a brief flash of light. So you got to think that the orb was like a bright ball of light that just came on and off. Right. Wielden Manor sounds like an interesting place, especially apparently they do this haunted house thing in October. So it's got to be really interesting. You know, you always love when they put these haunted attractions inside an actual haunted place. (laughs) It's like, what's the real stuff and what's not the real stuff? Can't get better than that. Is Wielden Manor haunted? That is for you to decide. Well, I don't know if we'll ever be visiting that location, but Kentucky has some crazy stuff going on there. We're going to be talking a little bit about that in our next Paranormal Conversations, number 10. We talk a lot about Kentucky on that one. <laughs> Looking Different forward to it. Different hauntings going on there. Love to have you guys check that out, as well as our website at historyghostbump.com. If you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. And hey, if you haven't joined us over on Facebook and the Spectacular Crew, stop what you're doing right now. Go onto your Facebook app and join us. We have so much fun in there. It's a private group. So when you post your weird stuff in there, none of your family and friends can see it unless they're a part of our group as well. And we'd love to grow our family. So please join us there. Do it today. Do not delay. (laughs) It's a fun, safe place in Facebook land. Kelly, we just wanted to send a thank you out to Tracy, who is the Cat Crow Moon over on Instagram. She had commented under one of our posts there that she said, from our family to yours, we are obsessed with your podcast. Your show is our dinner time entertainment. I prop my phone up in the middle of the table and we listen, eat and chat about your episodes. You ladies are in our top three. Looking forward as always to your next release. Oh, my goodness. That is so sweet. What a huge compliment. That is a huge compliment. Thank you so much. We love it when you guys send us those messages because there are days when you just need to hear it sometimes. And this is true. That was very nice. And Tracy refers to herself as an art witch and an entrepreneur, I guess is how you'd say that. (laughs) I love it. I do, too. So go check out her stuff on Instagram. That's the Cat Crow Moon. 
want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our executive producers. Join me in the cemetery by becoming an executive producer. You can join on Patreon or PayPal. Check out the Support the Show tab on the website for more information. This one occurring at the Sprain Book Substate. Sprain Book? (laughs) (laughs) He sprained your book. (laughs) Happens all the time when I drop him. Throughout the evening, cod and cod and cod and cod cod Is it a cod? It's a cod. They caught a cod. It was was near the river, East River. I mean, could be. There could be cod in there. (laughs) When he died, his body was embalmed and ceremonially barreled. The town was first known as Moorhead's House 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 shoes. Mill. <laughs> Instead <laughs> of a horse, horse head mill, house. Whatever. I don't know. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.